0: Hello and welcome to the iChiefs podcast series brought to you by the International Association of Fire Chiefs. This is a podcast series not only for our members within the IAFC, but really for any fire service leader who wants to learn about engaging topics to our industry, innovation, leadership skills, and all the other emerging subjects that are important in our arena. I'm Tom Jenkins, Fire Chief of the City of Rogers, Arkansas and a past IAFC president.
1: And I'm Sheldon Gilbert, former fire chief of the Alameda County California Fire Department and now ESCI Chief Development and Strategy Officer at the IAFC. We're glad you're here because this podcast is designed for you, the fire and EMS community.
0: Before we start this week's topic, make sure to check out our library of episodes at iafc.org podcasts and subscribe to our podcast series at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you think the content is great, be sure to share it with your crew and give us a good rating or a thumbs up. Well, welcome to the next exciting episode of the iChiefs podcast series, where we're talking with new fire chiefs who who have a little bit of time as that fifth bugle fire chief who have uh, probably exited Uh, That honeymoon stage of being a fire chief, but still have a lot of gas in the tank, as we say, a lot of good things left to do. And today, I think that uh, you'll find our guest, who is a major metropolitan city fire chief, to be um, especially remarkable. And uh, not only what he's done, but also some of the challenges and opportunities uh, facing him for the
1: city of Tulsa. I'm joined with my co-host, Sheldon Gilbert. Thank you, Tom. And it's an honor to be here today to talk to Fire Chief Michael Baker from the Tulsa, Oklahoma Fire Department. I was telling Chief Baker before we started that he and I share a unique bond and uh, career track and that he's one of the few Metro Fire Chiefs I've ever met that came up through the EMS division, (laughs) as I did. So uh, I was uh, the Director of Emergency Medical Services as he was. And so, That's great. I also had the opportunity to work with Chief Baker in another life uh, working for a a third uh, a private paramedic uh, provider in Tulsa. So I'm honored to be here with you today, Chief. Chief Baker has been with the Tulsa, Oklahoma uh, Fire Department for 27 years. Um, As I stated, he served previously as a director of emergency medical services, and he also did a stint um, with the local third service EMSA um, paramedic provider before being on with the fire department. He's a, he's a graduate of the post Naval postgraduate school and the national fire Academy and and has a multidisciplinary degree studies from the Oklahoma state university. So chief, it's really an honor to be here with you today and see you again. Thanks for taking some time with us. And why don't we just start with you? Just tell us a little bit about the Tulsa fire department. It's an amazing organization.
2: Well, it is a, thank you for being here. I'll jump. I should say that first. Um, it is an amazing organization and, um, It's, uh, we are a um, 725 authorized strength department, uh, running out of 29 and three quarter stations as our station 33 is in final construction um, on the east side of town. Um, We uh, serve a population of about um, 410,000, just over 290 square miles, so, very interesting population. We are in the part of Oklahoma that folks don't really think about, which is the greener part of Oklahoma. Um, it's not so flat and dusty up here, um, so we have a little bit of terrain. Um, the city has a, you know, its roots in, um, you know, Native American uh, tribal boundaries and municipal government kind of formation all at one spot, but um, really had a big growth in the petroleum industry. So. Major uh, industries here are aviation. We're a major American Airlines maintenance hub. Uh, petroleum is still um, uh, big in the community as well. And then um, uh, healthcare and kind of regional um, service support are really industrial ways is where we come in. Um, we run, um, our, our position is a mixture of ALS and BLS first response on fire apparatus. Um, we have um we've kind of split the baby with that um we have a very good um you know medical direction and clinical oversight that provides our our emts with the advanced scope so um we we have a good um uh, our our square miles are fairly compact so um we have a good distribution of services across the board we have a a state-based uh urban search and rescue team which does deploy uh regionally across you know mostly Texas, Louisiana, and have been all the way down to Florida, depending on the situation. Um, And we, we really are an all hazards department that has um, been blessed with uh, good support over the last few years. Um, And we have, you know, a state-of-the-art training center, and we have really efforted to have good community partners and and fire service. So um, just, it is an exciting place to be. I'll kind of go back to that. You know, it, it, it's, It's been my, clearly my home department for 27 years and uh, I basically grew up here. So, um, and, uh, it's just really a great place to work and, um, I am very blessed to have this position, so.
0: Well, you, uh, you certainly run a department that has an excellent, excellent reputation and, uh, and, and that's true for yourself. So tell us about your career, 27 years in the job, uh, grew up on the fire department, basically. Tell us about those uh, ranks and positions you held. And as, as Sheldon mentioned uh, in your intro, you've played a really key role in expanding and improving EMS service delivery on the Tulsa Fire Department. So I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about you know your background and kind of what your resume looks
2: like. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was born in Tulsa, but we progressively moved to the country. And so um, I went to a small town in uh, kind of middle of Oklahoma uh, graduated high school there and saw no future Um, so I went in the army and spent three years in the army and um, learned you know great technical skill I was working on early versions of the internet and networking and things like that so um, just had always had a passion for the fire service but you know didn't have the opportunity so, I came back to Tulsa after getting out of the military, um, worked in television a little bit as an engineer, and um, just went said, This is not where I want to do. I want to go to EMT school. Got into EMT school, said, You know, there's a reason behind these problems that human beings have in their healthcare, and I think I need to be a paramedic. And so, um, just continued to pursue EMS and then. I started, uh, worked as a field provider, then I was a field supervisor for several years at EMSA, and um, just began to work closer and closer with the fire department every day and met, you know, uh, the command staff and just was, you know, provided education at the, for the fire department and really just said, I've got to stop. And so I left that position, went back to school to, or started school, should I say, started junior college, pursue a fire um, in, degree fire technology degree Um, I quit my job and went to school and started testing fire departments and uh, really knew I tested a lot of departments um, got some offers and then ultimately though Tulsa was the place I wanted to be so I came on the department in June of 95 Um, I was assigned a technical rescue team downtown and so loved rescue just uh, enjoyed every inch of it from you know we do Uh, We're not a fully staffed rescue this time, but we were we're cross trained and cross dual man apparatus and just fell in love with it. And then the department uh, started pursuing um, advanced life support uh, first response. And as one of the um, few paramedics on the job, um, I was instrumental in kind of helping get that plan off the ground and then ultimately had to move to the, one of the first two ALS stations. So I spent um, a good chunk of my career out at, 31st in Garnett in the east side of Tulsa, which is a very diverse area of the city. Um, was on Engine 27, and, and we were making, you know, 22, 24 runs a shift, and just busy, busy out there, and it still remains one of our, if not the number one, it'll j- jockey back and forth number one and number two busiest. So, I spent eight years there on Engine 27, uh, promoted to um, what is now known as a lieutenant. Um, and then uh, was a captain there for a while. And then I said, man, I am worn out. I said, this is just taking its toll on me. I said, I wanna slow down a little bit. So I went to the second busiest station and spent some time um, in the chief's car as an intern. And We have a management intern program that works with our uh, battalion or district chiefs here and slowed down a little bit and then um, still decided that, um, you know, Maybe the public information officer would be a good spot for me. So I spent a year as the PIO, and then we had really what was a career-defining moment for me, and what I would call a, a department-wide challenge, which um, we uh, were—we had an internal complaint to the state department of health of, on our EMS training records, and it—it um, it was a eye-opening event for the department. Um, it we were mere micro inches from losing our EMS credentials. Um, we were, uh, you know, it, it, people lost their career over the event and, um, everybody, um, pretty much if you worked in the EMS branch or supported it, you were gone. And so, um, as a paramedic with ambulance transport experience, um, and a staff officer at the time as a captain, I kind of got a, Hey, you should probably go over to EMS for a while and try to help out. And so um, that was on, that was probably one month. And then the next month they said, you're now the acting chief of EMS. And I spent 12 years there. (laughs) So um, ended up promoting through um, uh, promoting to chief officer in the EMS branch. Um, And all the time from when I talked about going to school, I really prioritized being a lifelong learner and so i finished my undergraduate or my associate's degree went to oklahoma state university and uh, and then um i ultimately finished up my master's degree from naval postgraduate uh, which was an incredible experience um, and then went to the executive fire officer program so uh just a long kind of career path and the reason that I ended up in EMS is that I couldn't really get out, and that was that's that was a little frustrating. I think when you find yourself, um, you know, being the chief of a you know EMS system that's fire based, you everybody kind of bangs their head on the wall. But I think I look at it two different ways. It's first off, yeah, it probably hindered a little bit of my career development, but I wasn't going to let that stop my, you know, formal academic. Education, I was still going to go to get my degrees and I was still um, going to go to EFO and things like that. But so I complained on one side for not getting to go to the field. But on the other hand, I think it forced me to think in an innovative manner. And so I really saw. That healthcare was, you know, a priority within the fire service, and it, it, and even post-pandemic, it, it's the changes that are happening now are incredible across the nation. And so, I think on the other, what that did was it introduced me to, uh, you know, city hall. It introduced me to community leaders, um, nonprofits that had, you know, um, impact on city hall as well. Um, it brought me closer to the needs of the population of the city um and so all of a sudden i found myself um, really prepared what i didn't realize as i was preparing myself for the current role um and yeah I, I i don't know when it was i would say it was probably about six or eight years ago i began to have the conversation about what i was going to do down the road and it, this ems gig was getting a little old and i should probably find somewhere else to go and um as i hit my 20 and 22nd year i just kind of was like man no one's retiring the the command staff is locked up um you know i'm not i'm not getting any better sitting here so i started applying for fire chief jobs and deputy jobs across the country and so um ultimately um what i did was i started applying because i wanted to get the experience of sitting in front of a city manager's desk and and doing an interview or uh going through the process and and I really wanted to see if I was interested. I mean, it was, you know, there's nothing better than OJT to try to, you know, throw yourself into the fire and see what happens and and you either get hardened or you um, burn up. So um, I had some pretty close calls on some offers. Um, and so I really just, but the thing was I was, I became pretty good at filling out a resume and an application and letters of interest and, and uh you know doing some interviews and things like that and unbeknownst to me um it was gonna prepare me for where i'm at now and the interview process that i had and and my stress level was a lot lower and i was i was ready for it by the time it rolled around and then you know really ultimately um the fire chief job opened up kind of unexpectedly the previous fire chief left um he was about at his he was about a year early and on his time, and so no one was really expecting him to go, and so um, all of a sudden he comes in and says, "Hey, I'm retiring," and, and the world changed. So, um, all that said, it is uh, has been an incredible career for me. Um, it is it's more multifaceted than it seems. Um, when you when you're when you get stuck in an EMS role, or you, you know you feel like you're stuck in an EMS role, you you or you're stuck at any job it doesn't matter in the fire service you know what what role you're assigned if you you got to make the most of it and you, you've got to look beyond what is in the job description and sometimes you have to push a little bit uh, when your gut gets a feeling that maybe you're overcommitting the department for something um, it's a good time that you're innovating and you're moving something forward that and as long as you have the chief's blessing and you're not you know sticking your neck out too far you're okay so that's a long rant on me. Um, sorry about that. We're probably done with the podcast now. So.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. There's a lot of good stuff in there, and it certainly was a uh, a unique route to to the to the five bugle spot. Um, you know, and I, being an EMS chief from California, we used to call it the Hotel California. You can check out, but you can never leave. So I understand that that single track focus. So, uh, but my question is, through all the unique things you did and all those opportunities you took advantage of to prepare yourself what do you think you did that most set you apart from other potential candidates for that fire chief's job there in in Tulsa?
2: Well, I don't think there's one thing, but I think there are, I can at least mention the top two and Mm -hmm. one one is education. Um, It, for me, um, it taught me how to write. Um, It taught me how to um, be strategic in thinking um, it taught me how to work in a team and try to solve problems a little bit better and then um, I, I think you know if you're not I know the executive fire officer program has had some changes that um, but you know we need to get folks involved at the National Fire Academy so that they have peer education and learning with others that are in their in their same roles and and higher um, actually and then the second part is um, I think it's they You've, you can't stop thinking about what is new and being informed about what is changing in the industry and you have to look farther ahead than what's right in front of you. And so I think for me, I, I started, what is, what is odd is the, the, some of the programs that really helped me as the fire chief candidate were programs. We, we started a, a high utilizer program and, it, and I just went out and started doing it on my own and tried to see if there was a need. So I did a needs assessment and started working the contacts in the community, and ultimately, it doesn't seem like a fire suppression kind of thing, but with EMS driving our call volume to the, to the point it was, and repeat callers pulling fire apparatus from across the city to out of their first in district, I started realizing it's like, you know, I had an obligation to fire suppression to reduce the amount of frequent 911 callers in the department. And so that has now resulted in in a in a formal program that is staffed by two social workers um, that we have grant funded. We also started a mental health crisis team uh, where we're out with law enforcement and therapists trying to reduce the the ever expanding number of mental health patients that we have in our community. Um, And I think that just being able to say, well, it looks like one thing, but no, it's not. It's multifaceted, and being able to look at that is i think helped me personally and and then last but not least i'll just add um one of the things that i think is underdeveloped is people's ability to go from strategic to tactical um to task and you don't live in the you know i don't function in the tactical and task level i function strategically but i better be able to get to task level if i have to and i better be able to think like my uh, firefighters and go back to my experiences with the fire company and talk to the people closest to the work. Um, because that drives the strategy. And so, um, you have to be able to be, you cannot be fixed in your management style, your leadership style. So
0: those are all good pieces of information. And I, I liked several of your comments, um, about, you know, maybe what sets you apart to, you know, caused the mayor to give you a chance to be the fire chief. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, you told Sheldon and I that you're, you're inches away from celebrating your second year as Tulsa's fire chief. You know, how has that fifth bugle gone so far? You, there, there's definitely some idea you had in your head about um, how your tenure as fire chief would go. Has it met your expectations, been easier, tougher? What have you learned and what are your thoughts on your tenure thus
2: far? Yeah um i think it took me about six months to realize that i had the job um i kept i kept going to meetings and i'd sit there and i'd be like man we should ask somebody about this we should get permission to do this this sounds like a great idea and then i realized that i was that guy and it's like dang okay um and i think one of the things that set my mindset apart, and it's a piece of wisdom that one of my um, uh, non-sworn administrative um, staff members gave to me, and we were standing, she had something in the microwave one day, and we're standing there, and she said, you know, she said, the best advice that I can give you as a staff person looking into the fire service organization is don't let those bugles go to your head. And I said, oh, OK, really? And I said, you know, the thing about it is, I said, I can't see the bugles I'm wearing. And as long as I forget how many bugles I have on my collar or on the badge, um, things have gone really well for me. Um, and, and, and so when I think that's, that's one of the things that I have um, really kind of embraced is that you cannot wear your rank as a, you know, as a hammer um or as a you know there are now uh, clearly there are times that you have to but uh, my point is is that um it's just not something you should do is you should forget what rank you're wearing and you'll you'll have a lot better relationship so um you know my big thing i i came in with this big 100 day plan um i wrote some fancy piece of paper i handed out my interview i sent it out first day expectations um and I can really get the, the very first top priority for me that I sent to both, you know, the city leadership and the fire department was build trusting relationships. We had had a significant loss of trust in the department. I mean, we, no one wanted to do anything, you know, no one wanted to promote or move anywhere. It was just, it was pretty sad. And, and, uh, I just said, Look, let's find ways to build trust. And, and for me, that has been being as transparent as possible and um you can I, I try to make myself approachable like we can have a conversation um once again i'm not looking at my rank i'm talking to you as an individual i'm respecting you know everybody on the line and the other thing is is i had to extend trust to my assistant chiefs who run the sh- or shift commanders and the district chiefs and captains and said you know look i'm going to trust you um you know what you need to do um and if we have an issue i'm will address it when it gets there. But you run your shift. Um, I'm not going to reach over and micromanage, you know, station placement and staff movements and things like that. Um, and I've told people, don't make me move to do that. You know, don't put me in that position to do so. And what that has done is it it's frees me up to be more strategic in thinking, like I talked about, and it allows them to go, hey, you know, he's not going to mic. He's going to let us do what we need to do. And so it's it is a risky hands-off approach um and i've been bitten by it a couple times but um we've we've recovered um and so but in general in my first two years i'll say that uh, best job i've had on the fire department bar none um i have number one you cannot let things bother you um there's stuff that happens um you know i i worry about um, I don't worry about my firefighters fighting fire. Um, they love to do that. They're they're aggressive. They want to get in there. They fight fire. They, put, you know, they save lives and they do the job they're supposed to do. Um, it's the challenges that come with, you know, am I holding my expectations to them? Am I doing the right thing for them? Um, is this going to be a problem that I'm not communicating enough about? Is this a change that I need to have a conversation more about? Um, those are the things that, Get me off kilter is you know hey have you can you communicate this enough does everybody know enough and so um, those are things that I've learned um, one of the there's really two other things that I've done um, that I think have really made my life a lot better and allowed me to do the job that I'm paid for is um, I implemented a chief of staff we had a administrative chief position that's authorized kind of my number like my, my admin really and it, it, it's an appointed position outside the bargaining unit it's and so it just wasn't effective and so it hasn't been for years it was a revolving door for folks who had just promoted um it wasn't something that you know it was a not a career path development place and once we um once I came in and kind of observed what was going on in that office I realized that it needed to be more of a chief of staff level and so It needs to be a department member that is looking at a strategy. And so when I say this is what I'd like to do, they're taking that and looking for execution in that. And they're looking for the strategy being moved across all divisions and branches in the department. And so I'm telling you that that has taken my world and turned it upside down because I was I found myself writing admin orders and mous and trying to handle grievances on my own and and my deputies were doing it and we're like no 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 this is not working and so and then the other thing is i'm doing is a we do a um operational and information um uh, meeting I, I hated our staff meeting uh, we were just it was a lot around the table yeah 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 things that you know this is what we're doing they're resurfacing the airport we should be aware of that you know things like that so Uh, we're doing an O and I is what we call it. We do one every other week with anybody can join. So it's virtual with in-person at at headquarters. Um, if you're a line firefighter, dial in. Um, it is a, a respectable open forum that we talk about current issues and operations. And, you know, some of them will be things that I'm working on for the week. And then, um, free game they can answer questions you know hey what about this we've heard this rumor we're not sure um, of what's going on or you know we're concerned about this can you enlighten us the second one that we do is specifically with all the, the district chiefs on on the shifts and we do that um on a on a monthly basis as well and we meet with all the five districts chiefs that I have and in the, in the shift commander. And we have the same level of conversation. We talk a lot more about leadership and what they're doing in their districts. And so I think that's helped as well um, in in keeping the transparency there, keeping the conversation going and um, ensuring that we're developing folks. And that's, we've changed our training for officers. We've expanded the, the initial company officer and initial lieutenant course, and we're also you know, have really um, focused on staff development. We've put people in positions of responsibility prior to promotion, um, you know, really just building that and it all comes down to building trust. It's, you know, I I've, I've felt it in my gut. I understand how to make this decision because I've been in this role in a safety net position. And so um, so those are some of the things that have just made it much easier for me. Um, and but there's been some difficulties. I mean, I'm not saying that it hasn't been. Uh, but um, you know, as for the most part, it's still an incredible job. And um, I encourage anybody that's interested to apply. So <laughs> make make yourself available to those positions. Well, and
0: thanks for your transparency. I think it's always interesting to hear about the wins, the losses, and it's it's always it's always going to work out a little different than you imagined it. And I I think that was yeah. a good inventory of how your two years have gone. Okay. I've got, I've got two questions that I want to close up with you, chief. Uh, The first one is, uh, and I asked this to our last interview. I said uh, in the IFTA chief officer manual, in your opinion, what chapter is missing? What would have made you
2: better prepared? Hmm. There's, there's gotta be a chapter somewhere. In some manual, and s- that it's it's the I'm alone and I have to make a decision chapter. <laughs> um, it's you know I would love to have walked in, and this is what I'm trying to do. Is I wish my predecessor left me a book of notes. Um, you you don't get you know if you came in like I did and it was I mean the office was empty. I mean it was done and so i'm trying to dig through files and figure out do i need to keep things and it, it, but the point is is that you ultimately you're the decision maker ultimately you have to be the person who says yes or no and you you want to do the right thing you're you're you want to do the right thing for your department and your city and your and your firefighters um so there's going to be a moment what, what was interesting is when i had to make some decisions on promotions or some pretty serious decisions i would wait and i would stop and i would think about it longer and that actually frustrated some people because i quote didn't make decisions fast enough on some things but what i was doing is weighing these options and so there's there's got to be a chapter in there that says hey it's okay um you're gonna have mistakes you're gonna have successes um I, i remember you reaching out to me and chief moore over in broken arrow reaching out to me and going hey if you need something call me anytime and i'm like yeah whatever ha ha. and then i realized yeah <laughs> so you, you're gonna have to call somebody you, you should bounce some things off folks and so um but it's definitely one of those things that you need to have a little bit of a chapter that says these are the kind of the psychosocial aspects of being a fire chief and the, the stuff they don't tell you so
0: i love that okay so uh you know your journey's interesting in that uh, oddly enough probably some of the assignments in your career namely when you went over to be the chief of the EMS that that's likely something that helped you prepare for the job you know that that you currently hold more than anything mm-hmm. else so with a crystal ball you probably believe would have been more interested in it but uh, it's worked out in the long run it, for sure. all those for all those firefighters that are listening to podcasts like this that are that are company officers mid-level chief officers aspiring and upwardly mobile within their own organization what advice do you give them if you if you could go back in time and 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 maybe even give advice to yourself what advice would you give those people who want to be fire chief in order to help them be prepared and and shorten their learning curve based on your own experience uh
2: the first thing that comes to mind and the thing that i I mentioned a little bit earlier is being able to move from strategic through tactical to task level. The reason I say that is that I I was guilty of it as well. In fact, in my job now, I think more about how I behaved as a firefighter and a captain than I did when I was a firefighter captain. And so um, here's the thing is that we and 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 chief officers often forget this as well is there we every layer in the department works on a different work cycle and so when your day is uh respond handle the situation come back and wait respond handle the situation come back and wait you're not you're frustrated with headquarters and you're frustrated because fire chief hasn't authorized shorts yet you know, um, that we we haven't gotten a new truck or we don't know about this, know about that. What I'm doing is thinking, you know, I'm having to wait for municipal finance to do something. I mean, I'm very slow process. And so what I would tell folks is that get, take a moment to to talk to those folks above you and maybe even below you and understand where, what their perspective is. Because it's gonna be different. And even though we're all on the same team, we all work at different rhythms. And it's have some a little bit of compassion. Like I need to understand the firefighter rhythm when I'm trying to do something. It's not we need a strategic alignment. We need a and I think it's Anthony Castros that says it's an incident chiropractor. Um you need everybody to get in alignment. And so um, and that's that's why we do the O and I and we have a an ability for everybody to hear and so i but the same thing works for them is that when they're frustrated with headquarters when you're you will find that your life is much more pleasurable if you at least understand where folks are coming th- from from their perspective and that that requires you to get out of your office go out there and sit down and talk to somebody um i'm not sure if everybody knows that fire stations have coffee pots and usually iced tea Um, And they're, it's always ready to go. And so you should be in there. And, um, and and it doesn't need to be on the big incidents. It's always, it's the little ones that I have the best conversation with. You know, we're sweeping up oil dry, waiting on a wrecker. Um, and and so, and that's what, those are the things that bother me when I'm not out there enough. Boy, I get, my gut tells me you need to go talking to firefighters. So, um, So just understanding the position that everybody sees every day. And that will go miles because what you're going to do is you're going to guide your career based on the knowledge that you're going to have to move from tactical to strategic. And that is the biggest leap for some of our captains and chief officers to do because they're not understanding that. Guess what? I'm asking your long term opinion. This is not about two weeks out. We're talking 10 years out. Um, And that sometimes is a hard leap.
0: Well, Chief Baker, we appreciate that you've joined us here for this I chiefs podcast series on on chiefs that are finishing their honeymoon period. You've offered a lot of information and and some valuable insight into you know the makings of your own career and what has made you successful and even some of the challenges that you face. So thanks for being with us here today, Chief.
2: You're welcome. It's been it's been a pleasure. It's always good to catch up with both of you. Um, And uh, I just really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about our department.
0: Well, we've been uh, visiting with Fire Chief Michael Baker of the Tulsa, Oklahoma Fire Department, talking about his nearly two-year tenure there in Tulsa, doing a lot of good and innovative things. You can stay in touch with Chief Baker and the Tulsa Fire Department and what they're doing by visiting their department's website. That's thecityoftulsa.org slash fire, or follow them on Twitter. Uh, Their handle is at Tulsa Fire. A lot of good information today talking about preparation and gaining experience through the ranks, even sometimes experience that you don't necessarily desire in the in the time that you get it. But it's a long-term journey. It's important to stay in touch and be nimble, uh, that task to tactic to strategic level thinking. Uh, get experience and realize that even Chief Baker, after 27 years in the fire department and two years as chief, still describes it as the best job he's ever had. So for those of you that want to do it, there's some hope out there. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us today. And please leave us a rating and let us know if you enjoyed the content. Please share it with other colleagues and chief officers so that we can further spread some of the good word of people like Chief Baker. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the iChiefs podcast.